You're fired. Usually Black You're Monday fired. gets a little more exciting uh, in the NFL when the regular season is over. Lovey Smith got You're fired on Sunday fired. a day early, and then yesterday You're fired. Cliff Kingsbury got the You're Fired from uh, the Vince McMahons of the Arizona Cardinals. Not too much going on in Black Friday. In fact, there was a role reversal. Someone or you know, a lot of people that listen here and what we talk about, we wanted some coaches fired, but instead Joe Barry you're not fired. Rowdy, good morning. Matt LaFleur on the podium yesterday is saying he hopes to retain basically all of his coaching staff heading into the next season. What's, what's going on today, brother? Well, it has been said that Matt LaFleur is loyal to a fault and that he has um, <laughs> had some issues that maybe festered longer than expected because of his loyalty. Yeah. And that that's not just me or you saying it. That's what quote unquote experts have said. That's what people inside Green Bay have said. Yeah. All I have to say is it's your ass. It's your ass in the jackpot, Matt LaFleur. Yep, Matt LaFleur. Uh let's see here. He had his we'll hear some of it coming up here as I have comments from his season ending press conference. But on Joe Barry, uh, he had said, uh let's see here. Although it wasn't always pretty I think we did start to improve as the year went on. I thought we saw more of an identity. We talked identity yesterday, Rowdy, the Green Bay Packers. We really couldn't figure out what the identity was. Um, what's the identity on the defense? Like, we, we never even, we kind of just stumbled on that the Packers are soft because of their head coach, Matt LaFleur. Don't really adapt or change. Is, if the defense is to have an identity, what would they be? I feel like in 2020 and 2021, I could have come up with a defensive identity. Yeah. 2022, I, man, I don't know. Rashawn Gary tore his ACL. Injured? Is that the. Preston Smith was okay. I know their identity, actually. The, the secondary, Adrian Amos looked old. Darnell Savage didn't look that good. The corners of Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, and Jair Alexander, it felt like for most of the season was pretty underwhelming. Devondre Campbell got hurt. Yeah, I have an identity for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think it's one it's one word. Now the Packers, when they started the year, they thought hell, some of the teams said they'd be the best in the league. Many said they'd be top five in the NFL. Well, the team finished in seventeenth in yards allowed, eighteenth in points allowed, and twenty eighth in yards per play allowed. I think my identity for the Packers defense is overrated. They came in overrated, uh, believed in their own hype, their own stink, and they really uh, were pedestrian at best. I mean, what they down the stretch they had in the four game winning streak, what they had uh, seventeen points per game that they allowed, and then also a lot of turnovers. Outside of that, though. Uh, yeah, the Packers defense really didn't impress like we all thought it should have. Rowdy, there's players saying that they'd be the number one in the league. They were 17th in yards allowed. No, 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 that wasn't just players. That was a few quote-unquote experts. Many experts saying that. And I I remember Packers players like, you were going to be the best in the league. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of didn't do too much till the end of the year. And I don't know if I can fault the players for that or the coaching staff in the scheme. Well, I think one thing that we had big question marks coming into this season were can Devondre Campbell be as good as he was in 2022 or in 2021? Yeah. I think that question was answered. No, he wasn't as good as he was in 2021 because remember his career before green Bay was like, he was like a average NFL player. Yeah. He was like a role player. Nothing crazy. He was a he was a guy. He was a body. wasn't terrible. Well, he was a street. Wasn't, wasn't great. He was a street free agent when the Packers picked him up. He came in and had a hell of a twenty twenty one. He got paid in the off season and he missed a lot more tackles in twenty twenty two. He was injured in twenty twenty two and frankly just didn't look as good as he was in twenty twenty one. He was a question mark that wasn't as good as he was the year before. Yeah. The other question mark that was a newcomer in 2021 that played really well was Rasul Douglas, who got grabbed off of the practice squad in Arizona yep. and what 
started playing for the Packers around early November. He was incredible for Green Bay. Thought, oh, man, with him and Eric Stokes playing decently well, if Jair Alexander gets healthy, that's three really, really, really good corners. Well, Well, Eric Stokes got hurt, and I would say for the most part, Rasul Douglas was okay. Well, don't forget they were using him differently than the year before, too. Remember? But you would say he was okay. Yeah, he's okay. He wasn't special. He wasn't as good as he was in 2021. No. He was one of the big question marks because he was a guy that had a couple of good seasons in Philly when he was younger and then kind of bounced around was, again, kind of like Devondre Campbell, just a guy. Yep. He was just a okay NFL player that all of a sudden flashed really good for one season. Just a but guy. he had a pretty nice deal that he signed in the offseason, just like Devondre Campbell and those were the two big question marks coming uh, coming into the season where it was like, can they duplicate what they did? And neither of them, in my opinion, no, played yeah, as they, well yeah, as they, they did in 2021. Now, there was a lot of other issues on the defense, not just that. But like Kenny Clark didn't play up to what he had played in years previous. Yeah. Rashawn Gary goes down with an ACL, which is uh, unfortunate. I think personally watching the games, Adrian Amos looks like he's just old. Yeah, he looks like he's hit end his here. wall where he is definitely he was declining the end, yeah. just in general, and he was already on the wrong side of thirty. Darnell Savage, you kept holding out hope <laughs> after his rookie year that he was going to turn it around, turn it around. And I'm sorry, but I don't think he's turning it around. I think he is just what he is. Yeah, how many times in the Brock is like he lost his starting position, and look at him, he's getting interceptions, yada yada yada. I'm like, I'm still not. Now, if you want to talk about the the good things. When they let Jair Alexander be Jair Alexander, he's still Jair yeah, Alexander. Like the beast that he is. Um, Devontae Wyatt, when they finally gave him snaps and Dean Lowry went down, Devontae Wyatt looks like he's going to be a player. Yep. Quay Walker, inside linebacker. I mean, he got even more reps than probably they wanted due to the Devondre Campbell injury. And he's shown that he'll hit anyone, even trainers. Seems like, even though he's a dummy. He's a player. Yeah, he just wants to hit people. Uh, how about uh, Kingsley Anigbari? Yeah. The guy that they were questioning whether he could be a third rotational piece behind Preston and, and Rashawn Gary, forced into a lot more playing time because of Rashawn Gary's injury. Looks like he's a player. So, I mean, there was some Here's good and there was some bad on the defense. Overall, I think with the injuries and the, the lack of play from some of the guys you expect more from, you would say, yeah, the defense probably slightly worse than what it should have been in 2021. Yeah. But it felt like they didn't even get close to that. And when it comes to Joe Barry. No, and they didn't even get going until the end of the year. When it comes to Joe Barry making adjustments, I feel like I didn't see any adjustments made until the last three weeks of the season. Yeah, and that's what LaFleur is talking about as an oppressor saying, you know, although it wasn't always pretty, I think we did start to improve as the year went on. I thought we saw more of an identity. So we'll get more comments from LaFleur coming up here, but more improvements as the year went on. Yeah, in the four-game winning streak, that's all you had. You, you've waited all year to the final four weeks to get it going. Yeah, so I feel like with LaFleur not making a move, this is even more on him now. Like Joe, oh, totally. ba- Joe Barry better be that guy. Joe Barry has never made it three consecutive years as no. a defensive coordinator at any stop. He made it two in Detroit, and those Detroit teams were awful. Terrible. He made it they two went defeated. In, in Washington. Those teams were terrible. Yep. He's never made it three years in a row anywhere, and Joe Barry doesn't just he doesn't feel like a guy that's out there that's vocal. He's very quiet. He's very. Oh, we had the DB's coach like hyping the guys up, if I remember correctly. So I feel like this is even more on the floor if this goes bad in year three because he could have made a change. Let's see. In. Um yeah, he easily could have made a change because, I mean, LaFleur, he had a he had a fall guy. Well, uh, Barry, I don't think, is no longer a fall guy anymore because now it just comes back to Matt LaFleur. And how, speaking of LaFleur and fall guys, he was even mentioning about how, you know, I thought about giving somebody else the play calling ability. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that Nathaniel Hackett? They, he might come back. Uh, okay. Remember when he had left and took the Denver job and yeah. we talked about, you know, there was three guys always in all the meetings. It was Nathaniel Hackett. It was uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Do you really think that Nathaniel Hackett was that important? No. 
Um, I don't think so either, but maybe he was in red zone because how did they go from being so good in a red zone for like two, three seasons before to so freaking terrible? Yeah, he had the gold zone. Now, (laughs) was he the, was he just the gold zone guy? That's most what he, he focused on the gold zone and Adam Stenovich, uh, he must've been scared of scoring. He must be a virgin because he could not get punched into the end zone at all. Yeah, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur is open to Nathaniel Hackett returning to the Green Bay Packers, saying he needs some family time. Well, you talk about identity, and we did a lot yesterday. You brought it up already in this segment. How about this? If Matt LaFleur is questioning himself about giving up play-calling ability, (laughs) and he's, in fact, the offensive coordinator that's calling the plays. Yeah, he wants to give it up. If he is wanting to potentially give it up or thought about giving it up. What is his identity on this team? I have no idea. If he's not the offensive coordinator, quote unquote, that's calling plays. And we've already questioned some of his leadership and some of his, uh, I don't know, stances as a head coach and things. He maybe it's not the things he did, but the things he didn't do or took a long time to come around to doing. What is he? (laughs) He's just a guy that's got good eyebrows and carries you know, water for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, think about this. If Matt LaFleur is the one that wants to give up play calling after the year that is, they're in bring back Nathaniel Hackett, then how much blame can he put on Aaron Rodgers for changing all the plays? I mean, we talked about it yesterday, Rowdy. Aaron Rodgers uh, and the RPOs that LaFleur runs in his scheme. Uh, what does Rodgers, what did LaFleur say that Rodgers audibles out of? It's like barely yeah, any plays. Yeah, when we, we mentioned this yesterday, but he had a presser in the middle of the yeah. season talking about all the RPOs and plays that they call and how many times Aaron Rodgers uh, checks out of them. And I want to say, because I, I searched my brain yesterday after the show, I wanted very- to say he called like 16 different RPOs on average in a game. Not only just RPOs, but but plays in which are very easy to check out of. And Aaron Rodgers checks out of them about a quarter of the time. That says Aaron Rodgers officially changes the play like four times a game. So it's when you're running like 60 plays a game and he checks out of four of them. So he's checking out of a 15th. Uh-huh. A 15th of the plays called? I mean, come on. It's, yeah, yes, this is all Rodgers' problem. Well, think about it. Matt LaFleur is now pondering giving up play calling and bringing back Nathaniel Hackett. So think of that. It's all Aaron Rodgers' fault. I heard so many people. Um, I don't name any names of the people talking about it. That's Aaron Rodgers checking out of about 6 to 7% of the plays. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I see now all of the articles uh, getting out there and, and even the talking heads saying how big of a prima donna Aaron Rodgers is and how dare he talk about retirement and how, and how dare he hold this franchise hostage, this, that, and that. Did you actually listen to the press conference of Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Rowdy and I did. I, I, I stayed up and listened to it after the game. Rowdy listened to it afterwards. Rowdy, in all of it, when Aaron Rodgers on the podium and a reporter asks him a question, what do they want him to do? Because I feel like Rodgers is in a no-win situation. They ask him about his future of the Green Bay Packers and his playing. Do you want Rodgers to stand there and say, I plead the fifth? Or say, next question? Like, he literally was asked. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to take some if time. If I'm the Green Bay Packers and I really have no idea what Aaron Rodgers is thinking, but I have already said publicly and – Brian Gutekun said this, and Matt LaFleur kind of echoed it. Yeah, They know what they have in Jordan Love. They know what they have in Jordan Love. So if you know what you have in Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers will say to this point is a question mark going into next season, I'm not really that worried no. about what, what Aaron Rodgers is doing until maybe at the earliest before the draft. Because then I know kind of, is he, is he here? And even even the draft, I just put that just because if you needed to draft the quarterback, you could if Aaron Rodgers was gone and you weren't comfortable with Jordan Love. But I feel like if you're not comfortable with Jordan Love because you already know what he is, you're going to take a quarterback anyways, whether I'm not even Rodgers the is there or not. But I'm saying if Aaron, the Packers organization, for them, it shouldn't matter because – in theory, you either have your quarterback of the future right now or you're going to have to draft him 
if Jordan Love isn't your guy, whether or not Aaron Rodgers plays yeah. or re- or retires. Yeah. So I, I don't think it really matters. I guess I wasn't getting into the, the Packers side of things. I was getting into more of the talking heads and the people out there uh, trying to vilify Rodgers now as the season's over. But, I mean, we'll get into all of it. As, again, talking heads and articles being written about how big of a scumbag Rodgers is now that he's holding the Packers hostage with retirement. Uh, if you listen to the same press conference that I listened to, none of that was even remotely close to what the people were talking about uh, yesterday. But, again, people just hear what they want to hear and say what they want to say. Well, that's why I brought up the – it shouldn't matter from the Packers standpoint yeah. what he's doing. Therefore, he can't be holding them hostage. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. We have get into all of it. Matt LaFleur you know, was vehemently saying that they want Rodgers back. Brian Gutekunst as well. So I, mean. I would say the only way that Aaron Rodgers could, in theory, really hold them hostage is if he does the... I'm not showing up to training camp. I'm not showing up to preseason. I'm only maybe going to show up for the season. Because if you know he's showing up at some point, he's your guy. Speaking of uh, the good and the bad, the have and the have-nots, my God, is Georgia the new class? Uh, have they outclassed now Alabama, as many are suggesting now? Is Georgia the new Alabama after the complete ass-pounding they put on the TCU Horn Frogs last night? Th- no. Or if you get any other team in there, it's not TCU. I mean, they're they're a great football team. They're a great football program. But you need a few more years of continued success to be on that Saban Alabama kind of tier. But I mean, I think people gave TCU too much credit and making that only a fourteen and a half point line. Well, Michigan. But, I mean, Michigan <laughs> played an awful game against TCU. Yeah. Their defense was not good against TCU. Uh, J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes mm-hmm. against TCU, and they kept coming back and coming back on offense, but they could never get a real stop on defense. I think if you play that game between Michigan and TCU 100 times, Michigan's probably playing Georgia like 90% of the time. What if you replay the, what happened last night 100 times? Georgia wins like 99. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, They're so good. Now, that could even be 100. I, you might be able to say 100 on that. I uh, You look at Georgia, and Georgia had 14 players drafted into the NFL last year, and more than half of them came in the first three rounds and were on defense. Wild. And yet that Georgia defense is still really freaking good. Yep. And then you see that clearly – that Stetson Bennett was a Heisman candidate. They have two really, really good tight ends. You have a few good receivers. And then let's not, let's not even mention that your third string running back is a freshman that looks like he could start for pretty much any other team (laughs) in the country. And he was your third string running back. Now, do I think Georgia's on, on par with Alabama? I I think they are, and here's my reasoning why. I mean, they just won back-to-back national titles. What's the only other team to do that here in recent memory? It's Alabama. Alabama. Now, they're recruiting at about the same level as Alabama. They've actually beaten Alabama here in some years recently. But I want to go back to the very start of the season. All the experts and everyone knew that there were three teams that were better than every single other team in college football, they were Alabama, they were Ohio State, and they were Georgia. Now, of those three teams, two of them made it to the final four, Georgia, Ohio State. Alabama lost two games by a combined, was it four points? Yeah. It was something, something like just that. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Ohio State, they had a ton of injuries all year. They had at one point both of their good running backs hurt. They had multiple wide receivers hurt, and we all know they have like four or five NFL wide receivers. They had guys on defense banged up. They still made it there. Georgia, they were relatively, I know for the most part, Georgia was relatively healthy. I know they had a few guys on defense that were banged up, but they were relatively healthy. Alabama, Bryce Young was banged up all year. Yeah. Like they they had some guys that were were beat up. I still think 
that clearly Ohio State deserved to be in the top four. Clearly Georgia was the best team. And you had a lot of people tweeting yesterday that Alabama should be there. Alabama should have been in the playoff. Now, do I think Alabama was a top four team in the country? Yeah, I do. Do I think they deserve to be in the college football playoff in the top four? No, I don't. They didn't earn. They, they lost two games. Yeah. You, you, now, if they played Georgia singularly in one game and they played them a hundred times, yeah, they would do better than TCU. But they didn't earn the spot. They lost twice. If you lose twice, I don't know how you can have the you know. And and you weren't get in. You weren't in your conference championship game. You didn't win your conference championship game. You lost twice. Sorry, but. You don't deserve to be there this year. Yeah. But uh, even though we know, and if, and if you want to say finally, well, you know that they still would have had a better game against uh, Georgia than TCU. Yeah, you're right. But here's the thing. We're not rewarding teams for recruiting at the highest of levels. Cause if you want to do that, let's just pencil in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state. And we'll just say for fun, Clemson in the final four every single year. And they can just play because those are the teams that consistently recruit in the top five. And look at this Stetson Bennett, who uh, got it done. I'll give you some crazy stats for Georgia momentarily. Stetson Bennett is older than I'm sure you guys saw this floating around Jalen hurts, Justin Herbert Tua Tegi Viola, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, and Justin Fields. Stetson Bennett is, is he going to be a doctor? Is he in school to be a doctor? Is he going to be Chris Wanky? Is that what is that? Is he, is he on the? Um, was the who's the who's the state quarterback? Who's the guy the Browns drafted? Oh, Brandon Whedon. Yeah, yeah Brandon, Brandon Whedon. <laughs> they did a Mormon mission thrown in there or something? Oh, wait, he's at Georgia. <laughs> no, he played actually minor league baseball for the Yankees. Brandon Whedon. I was talking yeah. about I was talking about Stenson Bennett, but Stenson <laughs> Bennett, no scholarship offer in high school. Walk on at Georgia. Transferred to JUCO. Transferred back to Georgia. Georgia single season passing record twenty nine and three as a starter and a two time national champion and he's older than a lot of dudes who just qualified for the playoffs in the NFL as um, good luck with your doctorate dude and then <laughs> let's see you're 65 the Bulldogs scored 65 points on the Horn Frogs that's the most in a title game they also tied the record for most points scored against an AP top five team the Sooners lasted at 65 against the Texas Tech Red Raiders in 2008 uh, Georgia's 58-point margin uh, victory is the biggest in any bowl game and the second largest in a matchup between AP top five teams. I mean, it was just an ass-whooping from basically the start. The loss is the sixth-largest defeat in TCU program history. Uh, six? Yeah, Rowdy? No, I was just going to say that. I mean, Georgia went down and scored right away, then got a turnover, kicked a field goal. It was 10 to nothing. TCU had a nice drive to make it 10-7, to and then from there on it was just a... Boat racing. Yeah. How about for TCU? 84. 84. For TCU, Monday's loss was a sour ending. The defeat also extended the Horn Frogs national championship drought to 84 seasons. They, they have a national championship. See, no, the longest saw, in cultural since the beginning of the AP poll era. I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, see, this is what would happen if Wisconsin ever made it to a college football playoff and blah, 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 blah. Well, here's the thing. I would rather get boat raced in a college football national championship game than boat race in the big 10 championship game against Ohio state. Yeah. Didn't people oh, say, Oh my Wisconsin God. Yeah. Would, <laughs> Cause you're there. Didn't people always say Wisconsin basketball would get boat raced in a national championship game. If they ever should've, played in one should have won it, but you know, Re- refs job them. Granted football is a little different. I would, <laughs> I would much rather make the playoff oh, like for the Kentucky sake of when they making beat them. the playoff than continuously getting beat down by Ohio state in the big 10 championship game. Every oh my year. God! Would I would you rather have the Badgers make the playoff than the Brewers, Bucks? Uh, I would. Would, would you rather the have the Badgers win a championship? Would you rather the Badgers be blown out of the national championship game or the Big Ten championship game? <laughs> I would rather national the Badgers please. get blown out in a national championship game than the Bucks. Or sorry, than the Brewers win a World Series. Really? If I was Grant Bills, I was going to say. By the way, <laughs> I was literally just going to say Grant Bills is going to join us here at seven forty. No, I'm joking. Would you? Re- yeah. Let's see. Do but I, I mean, want- that's progress, right? Even if you maybe still can't compete, you're there though for recruit you with made Georgia it. and Alabama. You're there. You, you made, made it. it. You're Just, going to improve recruiting because you are there. Look at Cincinnati Not beat by Ohio State. Cincinnati made it to a college football playoffs, right? Look what Luke Fickle now is bringing in for the Wisconsin Badgers at break. The transfer portal is insane yeah. for the Badgers right now. Why? Because he got there. I mean, I guarantee. Do you guys think if Luke Fickle never got 
to the college football playoffs, and let's say he somehow ended up as the coach of Wisconsin, we're getting guys like this. Like he got to the national yeah, that, college, the college I mean, football playoffs. It's really people are like oh sure. he did. It'd, it'd be a, it. it'd be a hot name for what he did, but if he never made it to I'm the gonna look college up. football playoff, that turns into yeah, I guess it'll come. One, one more stat, qu- quick route is look <laughs> something up. Fifty-one and seven. Georgia ran 51 plays in its opponent's territory compared to just the seven plays for TCU. And most of those came in that final fourth quarter. Talk about an ass-whooping of biblical proportions that Georgia, the Bulldogs, put on the Horn Frogs. Yeah. Wow. What are you looking up, Rob? No, I want to look up the recruiting class ranks for Cincinnati from basically the time that uh, Luke Fickle got there and see the difference from when he got there to when he left. Because clearly when he left, they're not, they're only a couple years removed from playing in a final four just two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. We'll get the research department on that. I just saw this tweet. Uh, This guy says, I am one year older than Stenson Bennett and I graduated college four years ago. I feel like 25 years old is too old to be playing a college sport. Tell the folks what well, we were talking about. Tabulated. Some of the best teams in the country uh, after that national title game last night where Georgia narrowly beat TCU 65-7. to <laughs> Narrowly. But yeah, we were talking about some of the recruiting and how if you're not, if you're just going to reward teams based on how they recruit, clearly it should be in Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, you know, Clemson, LSU. Those those teams are the ones that will be in it every single year. Yeah. And then we were talking about Wisconsin's improvement in recruits and some of the guys that they've landed not only since Luke Fickle got here but have transferred in. And then we were mentioning, I wonder what it looked like at Cincinnati pre, during, and post Luke Fickle. So the research department got on it. And research department. Going back two years before Luke Fickle, Cincinnati was averaging about 71, the 71st best ranked recruiting class in the country uh, for college football. And then in Luke Fickle's very first year, he moved them to 63. Wow. And then ever since then, Luke Fickle had them in the 40s. Wow. Every single year. Now, that would have been in 2018, 49, 2020, 41, or 2021, 45, 2022, 42. So he was consistently in the low 40s. Now, I didn't mention 2019 because they only recruited 17 kids. It was a really small class. That was in the 60s. -hmm. But when they had normal size classes, he was consistently recruiting about 25 slots higher than what Cincinnati was recruiting. And now, granted, that's a Luke Fickle effect, being an Ohio State guy, having ties into Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, some of the SEC country. And let's not mention uh, the fact that they made it to a college football playoff. That's only going to strengthen. But, yeah, the Luke Fickle effect between him, his staff, and the college football playoff and just consistent winner. He put them in the low 40s That's when awesome. they were in the low 70s prior to him. So if he can come and do that to Wisconsin, we've seen that the fact that this Wisconsin class, now it was small, but it was ranked 87th. Now it's down to 47th. Yeah. And he grabbed about five five legit recruits for the class of 23 in about six weeks. And then let's not mention the countless number of transfers so far. And that recruiting year for 2023 is still going to be going for another month. And they're talking about how they have more work to do on the backside for the late signing period. Plus transfers are still going to be transferring in, in the next month. They talk about CJ Williams. There's a rumor. Wisconsin's now on the top of the list. Oh yeah. Ebo, we were talking off air and I said, I looked through his likes and all of his likes were either UCLA or Wisconsin. He's coming. You have multiple wide receivers from Cincinnati. That are uh, decent recruits that are now on campus talking about coming to Wisconsin. You have one of the younger brothers who's even a better recruit talking about Wisconsin. But that's an 87th ranked recruiting class before Fickle got here. That is now 47th. We've seen at Wisconsin that normally about 30th was where they've topped out. But this was just six weeks. 
wait until we see what he's got in 2024 because yeah. so far the returns in 2024 are a lot of good four stars yeah. and <clears throat> you feel like in 2024, 2025, those are only going to be better. You got to imagine if he can do what he did at Cincinnati, but do it at Wisconsin. Go, this is probably go. going to be a recruiting ranking better than what we even figured. I know Ben Kenny and I went back and forth and said 25 to 30 is probably what my goal would be. I don't know if he really brings that success. 20th might be a real thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also good news, uh, Cincinnati Center Jake Renfro on Sunday said he's coming. Yesterday, former Michigan State defensive end Jeff uh, Jeff Petrowski Jr. announced his decision to come to Madison. That is now seven from the transfer portal, and they are crushing it. Ben, 20? what do we think of the national championship game last night? It was a game. I turned it off at half, so I mean, I'm going to bed. I, like, I already watched the whole thing. They just got... They never stood a chance. Um, Didn't you say, who'd you pick on Kenny and Heilprin? Did Georgia. Okay, and then Zach, just because the go different from you, picked TCU. Yep. I thought you said TCU's blowout proof. I thought they were, just because yeah. they've done all this crazy stuff. Clearly, they were very able to get blown out. I, I mean, like, Georgia's unfair. They had, Georgia had four kids on the line before they put their backups in that were true freshmen that were better than anything TCU had faced all season. Like there's a kid, Michael Williams in three years, he'll be the number one pick in the draft edge rusher. He's a true freshman. And he was beating Ohio state tackles <laughs> last week. Like it's just ridiculous. Not to mention like all their, you know, fifth, 15th year seniors and lad McConkey's who's a three star, like their development's insane. Their their scheme is unbelievable. Their old man quarterback could get it done. Talent is nuts. They're quarterback proof though. You could put anybody in that system and they'd win. And they just ball. Yeah, like you're surrounded by the the craziest athletes. You see Darnell Washington. They have a tight end. He's six seven two sixty. <laughs> And he runs fast, and he has ball skills. And I don't think he's their best tight end. No, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, like are they the new Alabama? Saying. What are they the new Alabama? Yeah, they are. Yeah. If you look at their schedule, their schedule is an abomination next year. They don't play LSU or Bama. No out of conference games. They they will be back in the playoff. Um, they're going to lose a lot of guys, but they're they're turnover proof. No, in one of your twenty tweets yesterday, you did. They're all usually pretty good points. Don't get me t- wrong, unless you compare uh, Carson Wentz to Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but you had said the, the talent gap uh, about Georgia compared to everyone else. Uh, it's not just recruiting. Georgia compared to TCU. Yeah, it wasn't just recruiting and stars. It was getting ready for the next level. Something along development. Yeah, development. No, they are they are the world class of developing players. And I've been I, I've been going a lot into what Georgia does to be so good. Apparently they hit a lot in practice. Like their practices are full. Well, contact. I can tell you they're not hitting the books. It's very rare in today's football world to be hitting a lot in practice. You think Quay Walker learned that movie did to the Vikings where he picked the guy up and suplexed him? Some are wondering. Yeah, but that's why you think they hit trainers. In that's Georgia? why when they put in their twos and their threes, they can still dominate most Power Five teams. They're just that good and that deep. It's it's ridiculous. That's what happens when you get. Five-star athletes and four-star athletes, and then also develop them uh, the best of anybody in the country. But yes, they are the, they're the new Bama because they've won two straight. They'll, they are heavily favored for another next season. They'll be back in the playoff. They don't play anybody all season. Um, and I don't think it matters who they have a quarterback. Brock Bowers is back. Like half the dudes that were making plays last night are sophomores. They'll all be back. It's crazy. Georgia also, I believe, had the number one recruiting class. I don't think when. Uh, coming up for the next year. Bama has. Well, I mean, it doesn't um, really matter. But they're, they're top five, top three. It's like once you're at that point, what's the difference? So, yeah. yes. Yeah, they're up there again. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, I turned off at halftime. Like, I don't need to watch any more of this. Georgia second to Bama. It's Bama and Georgia. Um, and it, it's not only the fact that they're so crazy talented. Their their offensive coordinator was running circles around TCU all night. Like half of their touchdowns, TCU just didn't guard anybody. Well, dude, I mean the stats are just alarming of how lopsided it is on everything. It was a complete and utter domination. Did you hear? Um, 
Uh, I can't play it on air because it, it's oh. a it's a minute and six long seconds. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's freaking pump up speech pregame, so good, electric. I wish I could play it. I would have to take probably a half an hour editing and all the <laughs> the swear words in it. It's I'm only amazed. a minute long. There's nobody better in our society at cursing than football coaches, dude. I li- I was gonna try and edit it. It's only literally it's a minute and six seconds long. <laughs> there are so many S and F words in it that I I couldn't even begin to start editing it and putting the bleeps in there. I would suggest going finding it online and listening to it. It will it's better than a, cu- a pot of coffee. It's it gets awesome. You fired up. So I went back and looked on twenty four seven. The last time Georgia wasn't in the top five for recruiting was twenty sixteen. They finished sixth. <laughs> And um, since 20, their run started in 2017. That was the national title loss to the Tua and Jalen Hurts team um, where they bring in Tua at at halftime. But since that point, Nelson, they were 13 and two in 2017, lost the national title, 11 and three in 2018, 12 and two, 2020, they went eight and two. And then recently 14 and one, 15 and oh. Like they're they're what eighty two and and ten I think the math is over the last five seasons. And speaking of two and Jalen Hurts, Stenson older than both those guys. That's an insane, <laughs> Isn't it? It's an insane point. And, and yeah. listen, he's good. Like college football people have doubted him forever. He's twenty. Last, what is he? Twenty five. Five. He was going to get benched in the in the semis last year because he was he was playing poorly <laughs> in the SEC title game. Yeah. He is good, but I don't think it matters. Like so, you can Georgia. Anybody. Georgia is ranked second this year for recruiting behind Alabama, who has two more recruits than Georgia. Recruiting. But Ripman. Georgia is number one for class of twenty twenty four by a decently wide margin. And <laughs> you know what's crazy about this team this year? They lost what nine starters on defense. They lost a bunch of dudes off offense. They and had fourteen guys drafted in the NFL draft last year, and they took zero transfers in. Yeah. Uh, question for uh, Ben and probably you, Rowdy. Our guy X-Ray Punk on Twitch. What would the Michigan versus Georgia line have been? Probably like 10 plus. Yeah. It was 12 and a half against TCU. Michigan was seven and a half point. Fa- like it, it, it would have been 10, 10 yeah. or 11. It closed at that. So that line for Michigan would have gotten crushed. TCU Georgia game. What about Ohio it State? opened at 14, got bet right down to 12 and a What's half. The line? There was so much steam on Georgia last night. That line got back up to 14 before kickoff. What was the, what was the Ohio State Georgia line? Six and a half. Georgia? Yep. Yeah. And, and listen, What's why was line? Ohio State the one team to compete with them and take them to the wire? It's because they have the best quarterback in college football. They have the best receivers in college football. Like that's the one thing that actually could stop them was guys that will be top five draft picks. Yeah, they got basically guys that would body slam medical trainers if you asked them to, right? No problem. Mm. Yeah, Georgia. That they they had, hit books. Mm. Yeah, that team had fourteen. <laughs> You're to play fourteen school. guys drafted last year in the NFL draft, nine of which came in the first three rounds. Like. That's insane. And, and by the way, out of those nine, six of them were on defense. Uh, I noticed when I came in on Monday, the studio here was a little different as Bucky Badger, a uh, cardboard cutout that we have, was sitting on a, a chair. Either the studio came alive over the weekend or Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show was doing some redecorating while he was in on Friday. Good morning, Grant. Well, good morning, Evo. In the building, you know, on Friday, you know how it is. Everyone goes home, so it was- it was so peaceful and quiet. I wanted to feel like I had company, so I, I put Mr. Bucky up on the chair, so it felt like I had a friend. Uh, I and noticed. I, I noticed. Uh, maybe you didn't realize it or not, but behind Bucky, where you found him, is a, a six, probably about five feet, six feet tall, somewhere around there, of Brett Lorenzo Favre. I, I noticed you didn't pull Brett Brett out to help you out with maybe some of your finances. I didn't see. <laughs> I didn't see that. Otherwise, I probably would have put Brett on another chair. How'd I miss that? Oh, uh, uh, probably. 
Oh, oh the, the the other side's flipped, so yeah, it just looks like cardboard. And you can't see him. That's why. That's what oh, it is. He's wearing cleats, oh. not Crocs. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got pants on. Hey, uh, Grant, how are we feeling after yeah. the Packers lost to the Lions? Uh, what it, what could have been magical, winning your end, control your own destiny. Instead, everyone from Matt Lafleur to Aaron Rodgers to everyone in between took a giant dump on the field. How are we feeling after the Packers lost? I mean. After the last couple of years, I, it's almost a relief. Like, I, I was all in on the – after they beat the Dolphins, I was really amped, and then they beat the Vikings, and I was I was jacked. I was like, here we go. No way they blow it to the Lions. Yeah. But if they were going to blow it in that kind of fashion, I'm, I'm glad they did it this week and not next week. You know, save the trip to San Francisco. Don't, you know, save Matt LaFleur the stress of trying to figure out when to travel – Save the gas from a flight. Just save our save our time. Save everyone's time and just and just go out on Sunday night against the Lions. It was the same game, Ebo. It was the same type of loss at Lambeau that we've seen the last couple of years. So it's not like anything new. Uh, I was able to sleep pretty well the other night and not be too upset yesterday just because, I don't know, we're kind of used to losses like that now. What happens now, Grant? I mean, Joe Barry apparently is keeping his job, according to Matt LaFleur. Are you uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on Joseph Barry, what the hell's his middle name? Uh, Clarence. He's whatever. I mean, I, I we figured as of a couple of weeks ago that Matt Lafleur wasn't going to fire. Matt Lafleur would fire himself before he fired one of his coordinators. Matt Lafleur. Someone needs to look into it. I bet Matt Lafleur is married to the first woman he ever dated because he wasn't comfortable breaking up with her. I need someone to look into that. It's pro- they probably got together in like seventh grade. Uh, well, Bri- like, Brianne and Matt Lafleur met in college. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll she see. left Pretty left her job now, to maybe. stand by his side. I was reading. Yeah, he's loyal, and he's, he's got a point. He said continuity is key to success in the NFL, and he's not wrong. But I mean, Joe Barry did turn the defense around towards the end of the year. I just wish he would have done it before Christmas. You know, maybe let, let's shoot for Thanksgiving next year, Evo. Let's make some progress in 2023. <laughs> Rowdy Grant, who's worse when it comes to changes, Matt Lafleur or Giannis? Because do you remember when Jason Kidd was about to get the axe and Giannis was doing everything in his power? Turns out that was the best possible case for Giannis. Yeah, Giannis cried a bunch and he tried to save uh, Jason Kidd's job by making a bunch of phone calls. He's a, he's a loyal man. Giannis has got loyalty in his DNA. Jason Kidd is just, you know, Giannis is, Giannis is too nice. He doesn't know what's good for him sometimes. Jason Kidd was a bonehead. And maybe, hey, hey, I'll say Joe Jason Barry's Kidd, as big of a bonehead as he was, he did help the individual single-player development of Giannis Adendokounmpo. That's true. I think Giannis just needed some different experiences, and Jason Kidd provided that. I guess, I don't know, if you tell me, like, hey, what's Joe very good at? Like, like, what is the one thing having, he brings that no other Having, having small hair, team small hair. He's good at ha- keeping on remnants of a lost colony. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's like, well, his defense gets better in January. Okay. I would say his one of the good things he's, he's good at is um, somehow staying employed. Yeah, he, he must be, he must be great at interviews. He, he, he hasn't he, he hasn't made it more than two consecutive seasons as a defensive coordinator, two in Detroit, two in Washington, but he always finds a way to slink back into another defensive job. Three, and this, then he's know. then he's in candidacy for a DC every once in a while. I mean, he has done well staying somewhat relevant. I mean, this is his third year coming up with LaFleur, right? Imagine Grant Bills. Imagine this Grant. You go into a job interview, and on your resume is, I went 0-16. I went defeated with the Detroit Lions. He must be amazing in interviews. He must be able to schmooze and then schmooze some more. Watch his his press conferences. He'll ramble and ramble and ramble. And and you know that he rambles because Mike Clemens will even roll his eyes a little bit. Mike Clemens Clemens is a part of the Allman Brothers. He's a rambling man himself. Yeah, and shout out to Scott. I heard that before. And the he's a rambling too. Yeah, Domino is, is a Van Morrison song. I don't remember who you said. Maybe there's kiss. more than one Domino. Oh my God, one, I'm not even a Kiss guy, but I know it's a Kiss song. I have been listening to some Van Morrison. That's neither here nor there. It's been a big Van Morrison week for me. But yeah, but nice. even Mike Clemens will like roll his eyes when Joe Barry will talk for two and a half minutes about like, hey, dude, why does your defense suck? And he'll ramble about like a, I don't know. And that's coming from a talker that's Mike Clemens. Yeah, yeah. Aaron yeah. Rodgers in the in the end, you know, Rodgers' last press conference there on Sunday, he even he was asked, "What are you going to miss?" He told a reporter he's going to miss his questions, and then he said, "I'm going to miss Mike Clemens' ten seconds lead into a question." Like Rodgers even yeah. said it Sunday night. I kid you not. <laughs> yeah. It happened. 
I, I think Aaron Rodgers listens to our show. So I, Mike Columbus go, well, any, uh, and, and moving on. So uh, Devontae Wyatt, six foot eight, you know, we went to high school in Tallahassee, Florida, and his mother actually worked night shift at the Best Buy. And here's the thing. And if Mike, it, it, that's, he sets everything up. He's a setup man. He does a great job. And I'm glad that he got a shout out for that yeah. from Aaron Rodgers himself. Uh, agreed. Now, again, more evidence that everyone listens. Grant Bills, uh, we just got a, a, a message here from our guy, Juice Man Joe 41 who is a great listener. My show, I do believe your show. He goes, as a Joe yeah. myself, Mr. Barry is a disgrace to all of us other Joes. So there you go. The Joes have spoken. Grant, what happens with Aaron Rodgers, in your humble opinion? Are you ready to help him pack his bags and send him packing, or do you want him back next year? Uh Man, this is a tricky one. Well, first of all, his presser seemed very final. But then I thought about last year's presser, which was the same, and the year before, which was the same. Jason Wilde's iconic, uh, that sure sounded like a man saying goodbye tweet that got everyone fired up, myself included. And then I fought with Zach Heilpern about it for an entire week. I um, <laughs> it, was, it was very introspective in a way where he's like, well, I'm 39, and this is a young team, and it's coached by a young coach. And I think when he said, you know, maybe it's time for a different voice to lead this team, I think part of that was Rodgers saying, you know, maybe I maybe I just can't connect with this group like I could have even three or four years ago, let alone, you know, 12 years ago when I was the same age or younger as these guys in 2010, 2011. And I think Rodgers misses that. I think, oh. I think part of him gets a little frustrated, and I totally get it, being way older than most of the guys he has to practice and play with. That's got to be a – To your point, Grant – I remember you and Ben Kenny were on a big soapbox of how Rodgers, then, what, 38 at the time before his birthday, had to placate to the 21-year-olds, saying that he needs to change all, everything he does in order to placate to a person who's, like, not even had a cup of coffee in the league. So I do remember that conversation as well. I think the biggest thing here is what we're not connecting the dots is he just can't deal with your generation, Grant. And I don't blame him because <laughs> dealing with you guys is very exhausting. Well, we, we all want to play our video games and our Nintendo Switch. You're a little different, people. Grant, but the, the majority, like, Ben Kenny toes the line sometimes, but my God, some of the other guys that are in your age group are you're just complete clowns. <laughs> yeah, and Rodgers is in a very different life plate. He's got a couple of big contracts, made a lot of money, won some MVPs, and then you got young guys who haven't won anything, yeah. and they're not married, and they don't so it. It's difficult. So maybe maybe Rogers is like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I a lot of money. Yeah, so I when I talk to twenty something year olds, you know, I in the same way I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, dude. I just can't stand these guys. Yeah. 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 Grant, we're Grant, annoying. Real quick. Well, you're you're the exception, Grant. I do love you. In fact, we're going to a concert oh. together soon. Grant Bucks, come back from seventeen down, get a win last night. Uh are we ever gonna get Chris Middleton like a healthy Middleton back? What's like we need him back in the lineup so the Bucks can have a little more consistency, yes? Yeah, and it takes a little pressure off of Giannis. It takes a little pressure off of Drew um, because when Chris Middleton is your scoring option, it just makes life easier on everyone else so they can pull their role. Last night they were down 17, came back. It was really fun to watch, actually, not expecting it. And Joe Ingles was brilliant. Last night was the Joe Ingles yeah. coming out party. High so a little playmaking, a little shooting, a little scoring. That's why they signed him. So if he can keep that up, that's going to make life without Middleton a lot easier. And then, of course, when Middleton comes back, to have that guy, you know, uh, not maybe even not even coming off the bench but playing a really significant role throughout the game is, is really important. So that was fun. I think guys just like turning up in Madison Square Garden and putting on a show. So oh, I think well, they had a little bit of motivation. Yeah, and Drew Holiday was brilliant in the fourth quarter. Hell yeah, Broski. Uh, Grant, other than that, I mean – Unfortunately, our time is sadly coming to an end. I wish it could be longer. Yeah. Anything else? What's going on on the Wisco Sports Show tonight? Are you, well, oh, ooh, Delhi. a lot more calls. It was it was electric last night. Everyone wanted to call in and rant and rave and give their Rogers opinion, which is really fun. We got Mike Clemens tonight. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll react to the national title game. Probably not. That was hardly a game. And, by the way, the little, I don't know if you ever get into James Taylor, but here you go. Oh. James Taylor, Carol King. I'm uh, James Taylor and Cheryl Crow coming to the American uh, Family Amphitheater in Milwaukee in June, late June, I do believe. I was looking let's at tickets. Go for... and let's hit on some hot moms. <laughs> I'm just going to say I was looking for tickets for me and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> they are rather expensive. I'll tell you that. They are rather somebody expensive. wants to third wheel with you. Grant, uh, my mom is happily married, but if you would like to attend, you have to buy your own ticket, but you can sit next to us. 
well, you know, maybe Taylor, Cheryl Crow, that'll get older women feeling romantic. You never know. Maybe there's room for me to slide in. All right, well, maybe, Thank you. All right, maybe you can't sit next to us. All right, Grant, we love you, buddy. <laughs> we'll check you out the night of the Wisconsin Sports Show, buddy, all right? See you, fellas. It was see, nice to talk to you. Have a good one. See you, Grant. Much love. All right, it was Grant Phils. Yeah, a flag was thrown at the back end. There's a conversation going on amongst the players out there, and I think I saw a flag thrown late in the pile there. Terry, what'd you see? Clearly clearly a forearm to the head, Mike. This is a foul for unnecessary roughness. There's a lot of jawing going on around Swift as the athletic training staff was looking at him. After the play, unsportsmanlike conduct, number seven of the defense. Oh. Half the distance to the goal, automatic first down. Yeah, so that's on Quay Walker, and they missed the penalty you guys were talking about. But that was Walker, and that's LaFleur right to his rookie. you got to be smart. Wow. If there's ever a reason wow. to never push the athletic trainers, Man, this would certainly be that way. Terry, could you get ejected for that? Absolutely. We've seen that on the sidelines with pushing or, or, yes. or contacting coaches. Number seven's unsportsmanlike conduct is disqualified. That is unacceptable. I've got a much higher standard for our players than to do silly things like that. I mean, we've had a guy get ejected twice. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that in my career. Mike Lemons with the absolutely incredible supercut of a complete dumbassery on the field. But my God, you get a little sticks on the day. Woo! Mike, what's up, man? Well done. Morning, Evo. How are you, man? I was doing know, good, but I got even more fired up with sticks. Hell you yeah. know, you're it's it's this sixteen thirteen, and you keep waiting and waiting and waiting for a Christian Watson bomb or an Aaron Jones run or something. It's like let's go already, yeah. right. and you keep letting these guys hang around. And three plays after that mess, uh, the Lions get closer to the goal line. And Jamal Williams, your former running back, gets uh, his second touchdown of the night, his 17th of the season. He beats, you know, he breaks a a Barry Sanders record, also gets 1,000 yards, you know, for the season. And I was in the Lions locker room for a while there and actually got in. They let me in when they did their post-game celebration and handed out game balls. It's just, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, how how did you let this happen again on your own turf, and uh, Quay Walker is a good kid, and and you're surprised that he's you know this hothead who like the thing he did against the Bills and took a shot at you know a practice squad guy that mouthed off at him. I mean, if if I was Dan Campbell's coaches, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, "Hey, anything." And it was a medical trainer, so it wasn't him. But anything you can do to antagonize this guy, you know, you might get a you know 15 yards out of it. So Quay Walker. Um, uh, put out an e- a, a, a tweet yesterday. You know he got drilled by uh, Lafleur on the sidelines there, and he apologized. He actually started tearing up, talking about uh, what happened in the game against the Lions. Another rookie mistake. Uh, selfish. Just a selfish act of me. Uh, very, just very uh, stupid and dumb. Uh, I say immature of me once again to make the same mistake twice, but. Uh, I just always uh, I seem to overreact at times, and I did it again last night. Reached out to the trainer uh, earlier today, talked to him for a long time, uh, continued to apologize, and just pray that he forgive me. And um, also told him to uh, reach out to the team if he can, and to the other trainers as well. Um, just to, on my behind, and just saying that I'm sorry, uh, and that's it. But I, I can't. It's much, really, nothing I can do. Uh, to be honest with you, I made a mistake. I did what I did, and I own up to that. But uh, this is something I got to live with. It's a mistake I made, and uh, I just pray that they forgive me, and that's all I can do at this point. And own up to everything and face everything that comes with it. Mike, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Shame on Quay Walker, especially with everything that happened throughout the week with the you know medical trainers in you know Cincinnati, Buffalo. It's I've never seen it before. It's it's absurd. It's insane. Yeah, no, the, ki- the kid's your leading tackler. He's a great athlete, but there's some sort of a switch there that Lafleur, you know, and uh, Ko, the inside linebacker coach, they're going to have to figure out Joe Barry as well if Joe Barry's still around. But you know, Quay explained. Look, you know, 
plays dead. DeAndre Swift is down on the field. That's his friend. That's his former teammate at Georgia. So he's running over to see what his buddy is doing. And he's looking over. Now there's already two or three trainers attending him, but there's another one that's late arriving who, instead of going up to Quay and saying, excuse me, get out of the way, he kind of pushes him. Well, the linebacker turns like, who the hell are you, man? And he shoves, he shoves him in return, and then they throw the flag, and he, you know, the, the, the New York sees the tape, and they disqualify him. And Lafleur talked about it last night. I'll never defend the action, but I'll defend the person. And I think Quay, he feels terrible about it, rightfully so. I don't think Quay's a malicious person. I think he has got to find a way of, to better channel his emotions in the heat of the battle because certainly it's gotten the better of him twice now. I mean, not once, but twice. I think I saw he's the first player in the last 15 seasons to be ejected from a game twice in, exactly. a, in a year. Yeah, wild. Exactly. Yeah, as, as long as LaFleur's been in the NFL, quite frankly. And then what's this nonsense between what's supposed to be one of your smartest, uh, hardest-working, prepping uh, players on defense in Rasul Douglas, and it's just before the half, and uh, the Lions are lining up for a field goal, which looked like it was going to be kind of far um, uh, in the cold weather. They, they missed one uh, that night, and so uh, Rasul Douglas is up there messing around with the center, and he gets a 15-yard penalty for unnecessary roughness, which lets the Lions move up to what was basically a point after touchdown, and, you know, put another three points on the board. And this is what Rasul explained to us as he was packing, cleaning out his locker. Uh, no, he just, he just pushed me. I smacked the ball out of the snapper hand, and he just pushed me. So I turned around and pushed him back, and they called flag on me. I'm, I'm not doing no free kicks. You missed one earlier. You about to, we called timeout. The play already over. I'm not about to let you snap the ball so the kicker can kick a free kick to see and adjust it. So I smacked the ball out of the snapper hand, and 70 pushed me, and I just pushed him back. It's called flag. I feel like that was a, a good thing for me to do, but it resulted in a bad thing when I pushed him back. I don't think that changed the game. That's what you like. I don't think either one of those two plays changed the game. So I just think we just got to play better as defense. We got a chance to go out there, get a stop in the five-minute mark or whatever time we got it, and we ain't do it. It's like, I don't know what you thought was going to happen when you, I'm not, <laughs> again, I found myself saying that game, like, I've never seen that happen before. A guy walking down the middle of the line just to slap the ball out and then getting a shoving match. Like, I don't, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, yeah, just, just, just set up for the play. Yeah. Right? So, um, they lose the game. You know, there's tears. There's confusion. And, and all this emotion over there on, the other side, like again, how did this? How did we let this slip away? And and why was this such a bad season? And and, and you know, I have more later on. You know, in the month as as things kind of unveil. There's a lot of questions I can't answer for you, except I think a lot of problems you know stem with Aaron Rodgers and that fractured thumb after the Giants game. And you go into the five game losing streak there. You know, you did not have the MVP quarterback, and you needed the MVP quarterback to you know, help out with that young offensive line, that young uh, receiver core, et cetera, to, to make that happen. Um, but, uh, you know, defensively, um, you know, going up and down and, and changing, uh, going from a straight zone to finally finding something that Jair was comfortable with and going up against number ones. There, I see these headlines this morning after being with LaFleur last night for a half hour where people say, oh, yeah, no, Joe Barry's back. I, I don't understand how people are writing that headline. Because hmm. normally coaches, you know, whether it was Mike Sherman, uh, whether it was Mike McCarthy, or even Matt LaFleur, you have your, your last loss of the year, your season's over with, you do post-game press conferences, and then you come back four or five days later, like Thursday or Friday, and you have what you call your end-of-season press conference. And they're still in the middle of deliberations and making changes and all that. Or you put it off the week after because you know that you're going to make some changes at coordinators or whatever. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, Bill and I are leaving the stadium and our emails go off. And it's like, LaFleur announces for 5 p.m. Monday. Okay, see, what he wants to do is, I haven't even started yet, you know. Hey, let's, let's meet now. We can talk about last night's game. And then I'm going to lock the doors on you guys, and I'll see you at the combine, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And so, 
So, I, he, you know, he's got to do all these interviews with players. He hasn't even talked to Aaron Rodgers yet, but he'll have exit interviews with players. Then he'll talk to the coordinators. Then he'll talk to the position coaches. Then he'll start making decisions. So I asked LaFleur, when you sit in one-on-one with, uh, let's say, Christian Watson, and maybe he's not happy with the receiver's coach or something, are people 100% open and honest with you in these closed-door exit meetings? I hope so. Um, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you that I am going to be just, I can speak for myself in the situation when I have those conversations. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing but the truth, at least from how I see it. And, uh, you know, guys have different ways of receiving that, whether they want to, whether they want to, um, People can get either defensive about it or they can take it to heart and understand what the intent is behind it. And the intent is always to push people to be their best. I hope they're open and honest and, you know, you don't bring guys back just to bring guys back to save face for people. You know, they need to have constructive and hard conversations throughout this offseason, right? I mean, you have yeah, to. Yeah, and, you know, as a head coach, he's locked up with these people seven days a week for seven or eight months during the NFL season. I thought it was interesting that he said there is like, hey, these meetings, they're also more like, here's what you need to do mm-hmm. as a player or position coach before we come back here in the spring. I thought that was interesting. In the meantime, Randall Cobb, you know, he's 32. You got Amon St. Ron St. Brown over there. I talked to him over in the Lions locker room. He's 22, 23. You know, he's a hot guy. And, you know, here Randall's. 32, going on 33, dealing with injuries, and talked about his last two seasons back here in Green Bay. Um, kind of soaking in the moment. Uh, it's unfortunate to be in that situation, and I don't think any of us felt that we were going to be in that situation. Um, you know, obviously, we planned on winning. We thought we would win, and uh, we just didn't play our best game tonight. Randall, do you anticipate that was your last walk together there through that tunnel? I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say that right now. I just don't know. Uh, you know, it just kind of happened that way that we were coming off the field at the same time we were by each other and uh, we, we took a walk together um, off the field. It's To me, it sure did kind of seem like it. They're arm in arm. I know a guy with a camera came up, tried to get in front of Rodgers. He kind of shoved him off and then, uh, you know, looked like an emotional walk at the end of the season for those two. Yeah, but I was surprised that Mason Crosby because – I was at a dinner with him, and his wife happened to be seated next to us, along with Leroy Butler, and Jordy was there. It was, a, it was actually Ted Thompson's induction into the Team Hall of Fame. And I thought that they felt like, eh, maybe one, two years left, if we're lucky, to be in Green Bay. And that was three years ago. So Mason said after the game, um, this is not his last season with the Packers. Yeah, I don't have any plans on, on you know, tying them up. So, uh, yeah, my plan is to, you know, just kind of keep pushing and, uh, you know, kind of look at how I want to work through the off season to, you know, try to give it another go. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, working with Pat and Jack and, uh, you know, the guys in this room and uh, working with Rich and, um, you know, he just lit a fire back into me to just, uh, you know, push and keep working. And, um, you know, he, he pushed me every day to compete and do all those things. And I feel like that energy alone just uh, makes me want to keep going. Yeah, and a little inspiration, too, to come back and kick something a little longer than 56 yards so you don't doink it, you know? Get, let's yeah. get Mace, Money Mason back. In terms of Rodgers, there's all kinds of little things along the way this season that we can talk on another day because, you know, if you get me on the Aaron Rodgers thing, it'll take me two hours. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I sincerely believe he has got a lot to process. You know, does he want to come back? Does he feel wanted? Can he still keep a couple of these veteran guys on? Can they also go out and get something else that I think he needs? Can he get maybe a, some help in a coaching change? There's all kinds of things that he's going to ask for. There's all kinds of things he's going to wonder if these guys are ready to just go ahead and move on to Jordan Love. And maybe maybe I do need to go someplace else. I, I think that's absolutely where he is. And so after another 20-minute press conference and taking all kinds of questions, this was the last question for Aaron Rodgers after the loss Sunday night. If this is it, Aaron, is it last time out there or last time here? What are you going to mess Mm. 
I'm going to miss your questions, Bill. <laughs> and Mike Clemens taking 10 seconds to do a lead-up. <laughs> and Pete angling for something. And Bob writing stories about my personal life. <laughs> You've been good lately, though. Thanks. And Jason bringing it back home with something that's kind of heavy-hitting. Stephanie Sutton coming out of left field. A good question. I miss the guys. I miss the fans. Yep. Now we're ready for the off season of what will he or what won't he do, Mike? And I chuckled when I because I, I stayed up and listened to the whole press conference for Rogers. When he said your name, I chuckled. I laughed out loud. That was funny. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That was really funny, wasn't it? <laughs> no. I heard you giggling in the back. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something he's been, you know, it's an ongoing thing that he's been doing. But, you know, it's like when you come in home and you walk in the door and your wife just looks up from the dead and says, well, he's got you pegged. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, dude. So I'll shut up and get out of here now, okay? My 10 seconds are up, all right? And <laughs> 10 seconds, I feel like this is a, that's a light day for a lead-in for you, Mike. <laughs> It is. It is. <laughs> hey, Mike. Now that the season, you know, is uh, is over, how do we? How many? How do we feel? Another season on the belt for Mike Clemens. How's it for you personally? Oh, uh, hey, it was great to be back in the locker room. Yeah. And and uh, the, there's a lot of good players in there and and good kids to talk to. I did 15 minutes with Romeo Dobbs, and something was actually going to play uh, this week. Um, he, he's from South LA, and his his school is high, is is 100 years old. And Etta James and Dexter Gordon, the saxophone player, all these people became famous musicians in L.A., huh. came from his school. And then I just showed him. I said, look, they just added you to the famous alumni of the school. And he was really touched by that. I said, you know who else What's your school? Barry White. Oh, oh, oh. And he said, I don't know who that is. No, but Mike, the guys in this room here, Nellie and, and Ben, don't know who Barry White are either. Yeah, you know, yeah I don't really? get it, well, Anyway, so anyway, we're going to have some fun with that because I went over to Jordan Love. I said, do you know who Barry White is? Sure, man. And he yelled over to him. Come on, man. No. So, so anyway, I'll, I'll, we'll put that feature together someday. And any time we talk about Romeo Dobbs, we'll have Barry White bumper music. Love okay? it. Mike, good stuff, brother. And uh, a great season for you. Thanks for all the information. It was a wild ride. And uh, we ain't done with you until the end of the year, uh, football season. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep on keeping on with you, okay? Yeah, we'll keep, there'll be some changes in Green Bay, and then we'll be following all the playoffs, and then we'll be live from Super Bowl the yeah. weekend in Phoenix. 